You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, dear rain, today is going to be a sermon about the law, the content of the fifth commandment, and also uh, the effect, the chief effect of God's law. But especially for you, rain, I want you to hear this sermon as something that is almost behind you, because it is. When God speaks the law to you, when He speaks the Ten Commandments to you, and He tells you that you are condemned, that you are a sinner, that you should be judged according to the sinfulness of your works, reign, I want you to, to hear and to believe what St. Paul says in Romans chapter 6 from the Epistle lesson. That your sin was crucified with Jesus, and you have been baptized into Jesus' death. And so just as Jesus died to your sin, so also you will follow him, because you are baptized into the resurrection and eternal life of Jesus. The accusation and the sting of the law is not for you, Rain. Neither is it for any of you, God's baptized. Rather, you are to remember your baptism and know that you are forgiven that the sting of the law is gone, and that God wants nothing for you but His kindness. But, once again, we need to hear about the law, because that's what Jesus teaches us about in the Gospel lesson. The thing is, before we can come to know Jesus and His forgiveness and His baptism and His supper and His body and His blood and the grace and the mercy of God, we first have to come to grips with Moses. We have to come to grips with the Ten Commandments. Now, yesterday and the day before, we were privileged here at Hope uh, to host many pastors and guests who came to teach and to discuss the great benefit of God's order in our lives, which we know so clearly uh, through the doctrine of the three estates, which is really nothing other than a summary of the Ten Commandments. And when we meditate on the Ten Commandments like that, it edifies us, and it instructs us, and it encourages us by showing us that the works that we do as husbands and wives, fathers, mothers, children, preachers, parishioners, civil servants, and citizens, all of these works are holy and good. God likes these works, and He wants you to do them. The pastors and the teachers who came here taught us that in a Christian's hands, In a Christian's hands, the Ten Commandments and this law revives the soul. It makes makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. And it enlightens the eyes. That's what it is in the hands of a Christian. But there's a danger to handling the law, to picking it up and using it. And the danger is this. You and I have something of the corruption of sin and death still clinging to us on this side of the grave. And the old enemies, even though they are being put underneath our feet by our baptism, even though they have already been put under the feet of Jesus as he ascended into heaven, they're still hounding us. They're still attacking us. And you know who these enemies are. 
It is the devil who accuses you. It is the world that entices you away from the commandments, right? And it's your flesh that tempts you with lust. Now, especially this flesh and its lusts and its corruption, it loves to take up the law and to use it unlawfully in a way that the law was never meant to be used. Our corrupted nature twists, mishandles, and abuses the law. That's because our flesh doesn't want to know the law's true use. Indeed, it cannot. The flesh wants to meet Moses and to see this man as its best friend. The flesh imagines that that it can get along wonderfully with Moses and his law, and so that the flesh can use the preaching of Moses and his law to produce all kinds of God-pleasing works and righteousness so that it can be paraded about the people of this world. And in fact, when Jesus comes again in glory, we may march up to his throne and say, look at all of these wonderful things I have done by the law. Receive me into your courts because I have done these things. The flesh hears Moses say in the fifth commandment, You shall not murder. And the flesh says, I've never murdered a man my entire life. I've not shed one drop of blood. I wouldn't harm a thing. The old Lutherans would call this putting the veil over Moses' face. If you remember, back to Exodus, uh, after Moses spoke to the Lord, he'd go up on Sinai and receive from the Lord his law. He would go back to the people, right? He would come down from the mountain and he would speak God's law to the people. And what, what happened to his face? It, it was radiant. It was brilliant. It would shine, right? You could see it in the old uh, uh, artwork of the church by these two beams of light shooting out of Moses' face or head, forehead usually. Sometimes you hear them called the horns of Moses. His face shined with the glory of God and the glory of the law. And it was so terrifying. This glory was so terrifying that Aaron and the people had to put a veil over Moses' face. Otherwise, they couldn't come close to him. They had to put a veil over Moses' face because of their terrified consciences, of their terrified hearts, and the fear of knowing exactly what the law is trying to say to them. But in covering the face of Moses, you see, they're trying to put a degree of separation between Moses and what he preaches and the brilliance of God's glory and actually what effect that preaching should have on their hearts. They put the veil over Moses so it wouldn't come too close to their consciences. My point is that the flesh cannot help but do this. Our 
corrupted human natures as they are, apart from baptism, apart from God's word, apart from God's mercy, apart from hearing the law preached from the scriptures, our flesh can't help but put a veil over the law. Yes, of course, there is uh, an awareness of the law in the world uh, through the conscience, right? But can never take Moses as Moses. It can never hear Moses as Moses. And even when it comes to the sermon today that Jesus preaches in his Sermon on the Mount, the flesh can't hear it. The flesh can only hear the fifth commandment, thou shalt not murder, and say that it applies to my hands, probably to my attitudes, but it cannot condemn me to death before the throne of God. The content of Moses' sermon is always the Ten Commandments. And Jesus, this morning, wants to preach to us and tell us that an outward keeping of the Ten Commandments, merely doing the act, is not enough. Your heart and your soul and your strength and your mind must never transgress one of them. Jesus says, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. The fifth commandment, Jesus says, isn't really about blood at all. It is about anger. It's about being angry, merely angry with another human being. So also when it comes to the fourth commandment, it's not just being obedient and showing your parents that, that, that you're going to do as they say. No, it's about the honor that you have for them within the very depths of your being. The sixth commandment isn't merely and only about adultery. It's about the lust. Every scrap of lust that lurks within your heart. And it condemns everyone who's felt it even for a moment. Jesus is doing something very weird this morning, very strange. He is mounting up into Moses' into Moses' pulpit to preach Moses' sermon, to teach your flesh and to condemn your flesh and to kill your flesh with what it cannot bear, what it cannot stand. He preaches Moses' sermon with clarity and force. And like I said before, he preaches... It, in such stark terms, that unless the Holy Ghost has revealed it to us from the Scriptures, we would still be ignorant, we would still be trying to cover up Moses with a veil. But here it is. Here is the Lord. Here is the author of the law himself, showing us that his law is meant to expose your soul, to terrorize you, to condemn you, even to sentence you to hell. When the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man, what does he see? Does he see us loving him? Does he see us loving our neighbors? David says this, that when the Lord looks down, he sees that the children of men have all turned aside. Together, 
they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. The entire human race stands under the judgment that you hear from Jesus today. No matter how our human race tries to attempt to keep the law outwardly, like the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus says that this kind of outward righteousness is not enough. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Thus far, Moses. And Jesus has to end this sermon. Because if he doesn't, then Jesus could never mount up into his true pulpit to preach the sermon that is from his true office. Jesus has not merely come to give us a new law that pertains to the heart. He came in the Sermon on the Mount to show us once again the old law that Moses has already and always preaches. No, Jesus doesn't come to be Moses. He comes to be Christ, Redeemer, and Savior. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. There is an old picture. An old picture, but I find it comforting. And you should too. When Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount, He's up on a mountain looking like Moses. It's supposed to remind us of Mount Sinai and the law that you get from Mount Sinai and the law that you get from the Sermon on the Mountains. They're the same. They might as well be the same. There's another mountain that Jesus climbs up and on this mountain, not one scrap of law is preached at you. Not one of the commandments is being asserted over and against you. Upon this second mountain, you see God's anger, but it's not at you. It's not for you. God in the flesh takes this anger upon himself. He suffers it. He bears it. He extinguishes it with his blood. On Golgotha, you see all the anger against people by breaking the Ten Commandments poured out upon Jesus, and then Jesus preaches from this cross, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He says to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. That is why Jesus came. Not to be a new Moses, but to be our Savior. To preach to us a new sermon, a sermon of forgiveness. Now to try to think about the Sermon on the Mount apart from the atonement of the cross, 
and the righteousness that is given to us in baptism that we have by faith. That is the greatest sin that I could possibly imagine against the Scriptures. And that is what the devil would want us to do. To read the Sermon on the Mount, to read the Ten Commandments, to read the preaching from Mount Sinai and to say to us, this is what God wants me to know, this is what God wants me to do. Heaven forbid. We must know Golgotha. We must know the cross. We must know the righteousness that comes apart from works, the righteousness that comes by promise, by baptism, by faith. Now, here's the incredible thing. This is the last thing I want to leave you with today. Um, All of this stuff about not being angry with your neighbor, all of these uh, commands and instructions according to the law that Jesus preaches from the Sermon on the Mount, he actually means it to inform your, your works and your actions as Christians. See, there's a way in which I suppose Lutherans take law and gospel, right, the content of the sermon, and they, and they use it in such a way that the law, the law is preached, it convicts you, but you never actually return to the law as a Christian apart from the guilt of the law and the accusation of the law to see what you have. But because you know Golgotha, because you know Christ and his cross and his blood and his righteousness, now you hear Jesus' instructions about loving your brother, even from the heart, and you say, Amen, Lord, help me. This is what I desire to do. And so as you come to the altar, right, to worship before God, who has reconciled you to himself through the blood of his Son, you remember the sins that you have against your brother and the animosity and the enmity that exists between you and your brothers and your sisters and your family members. And you reconcile yourselves to them. Not because the law is coercing you into doing it, but from freedom. You have been set free from the coercion of the law to actually start to actually start begin to actually begin to keep the law as Jesus wants you to keep it. From a pure heart, from freedom and from love, genuine love, not out of self-serving desires to hold up your own righteousness before God in heaven, but because actually your neighbor needs your love, not your anger. This should be our prayer. That the Lord would grant us this freedom of knowing Jesus and his blood so that we may begin to love our neighbor and that we may grow always in in these good works. Amen. The Lord, uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit keep you always in this gospel faith. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.